0: What's visible work and what's invisible Well, Invisible work is the work that you do, the value that you add, all the results that you deliver that people don't see. And, you know, I think usually it's it's fairly intuitive. When I say that rule Mm -hmm. to a room of women, usually there's kind of a collective sigh. (laughs) And they say, oh, they have no idea what I do, right? If I left, they'd had to replace me with two people. And I say, that's not okay, because if you're not getting credit for your work, then either no one is or someone else is. So it now becomes your job, right? Literally, it's part of your job now to make that invisible work visible.
1: My name is Fela Abioye, and this is How to Corporate, my digital show dedicated to helping you identify what's holding you back so you can advance your career. Are you ready for today's topic? Well, let's get started. Welcome back. Welcome back to How to Corporate, the podcast dedicated to empower you, the working professional, so that you can better advance your career through other people's experiences. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is our cause. Our focus today is around visible and invisible work. And I'm super excited to have my guest, Helen Appleby, on the show to guide us through this discussion. Helen, welcome to the show. And could you please introduce yourself and briefly share a little bit about your background?
0: Of course, hello, Helen, thank you so much for the invite. It's great to be here on How to Corporate, a subject close to my heart. I am a, an executive coach and um, an author and a women's leadership um, trainer, and I'm the author of a book which is called The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership, and really my mission is to um, help women navigate and succeed in corporate life, because when... Women navigate and succeed. It makes uh, it makes companies perform better. It makes it better for them, better for the men, and better for the company. So, uh, really uh, helping women um, step into their power and reach really senior levels in uh, in corporate life by teaching them the things that honestly that I wish I'd known on my corporate journey, fella. I'm before doing this. I had my own corporate career. Um, I've lived and worked in six countries and uh, finished my corporate, the corporate part of my career running a billion dollar business, a global business. So um, I've walked the journey and there were things, honestly, on that journey that... I wish I'd known earlier and that weren't written down, even though I went on all the courses. And that was really the inspiration behind the unwritten rules of women's leadership was to write them down. <laughs> um, but there's also, um, a chapter in the book, um, which is called the afterword, which is for leaders and, you know, for men who want to help. So, uh, it's really a rally call for all of us to, uh, help improve performance by getting more women and more diversity into teams.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I mean, your focus, I mean, it's clearly necessary, right? It's important work that you're doing day in and day out. So we appreciate you for that for sure. So from your perspective, right, you work in this space of helping and coaching um, women, right, in the workforce and to elevate themselves. From your perspective, the current state of the market has it gotten better would you say that it's become more inclusive right for women in the workplace
0: um <laughs> i think the intention <laughs> has improved um yep. the reality is that it's still a struggle um there's a, a 2022 uh, mckinsey lean-in women in the workplace report which has just come out and uh and they call this phase the great breakup um, women are really still struggling to break through the ranks and there's this kind of particular, they call it the broken rung, Like the, the drop off of women making it more senior in the organization starts really early on in their career. Um, and so, you know, with them failing to get to a manager level that then carries on all the way through to the C-suite. So one in four C-suite executives is a woman. And only one in 20 is a woman of color. Um, and put another way, if you look at that data the other way, for every hundred men promoted at that entry level to manager, only 87 women are promoted and only 82 women of color are promoted. And so what we've seen over 2021 and 2022 is women leaving leaving their workplaces they're demanding more they're not getting it and they're leaving so for every woman at director level who gets promoted two women directors on average are leaving the company so we have a long way to go well
1: wow. oh that's that's powerful uh data there that you shared so it's almost like for every step forward there's a step back and the yeah. opportunities you know, they arise every blue moon, but so many folks are still being held back that they leave the companies that they're with in order to go seek out other opportunities elsewhere. So, um, so still, clearly, yeah, those
0: are average, that's average here. data, obviously. And so hopefully the women that are leaving to go somewhere better, you know, yep. are finding it there. Um, and over the next few years, we will see it continue to improve. Cause I do feel like I work with big companies all the time. I feel the intent but you know, translating that into women in the C-suite takes time. It takes a long time to get people that senior, and you have to hang on to them and look after them and you know have an environment where we can all succeed. So yeah, much to be done.
1: Definitely, definitely. So then that really kind of brings us to the focus of our conversation, right, which is invisible versus visible work. So mm. you know, often, I think at times we make the mistake thinking that if you just work hard, you get <laughs> results. That should be good enough, right, to get the recognition mm. that you're due mm. or get the promotion that you're seeking, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's, let's let's be honest, right? That that's not how it's always done. Right? We know that's not how it's always done. And our hard work that's alone <laughs> will not always just get you to the mountaintop. So, with yep. this in mind, Helen, how would you define or maybe distinguish the difference between visible versus invisible work.
0: Thanks, so I think this is a really important subject, and it's something that you know I coach and teach on a lot, um because you're you know this is true for everyone, right? If you're so, my unwritten rule is there is visible work and invisible work, and we only get judged on our visible work. So just doing good work and hoping it will be noticed doesn't work, and. It, And honestly, in my work, I find that this particularly affects women. You know, when we're young, we're very much trained culturally into this kind of good girl conditioning. Um, And so, you know, I certainly, it was something that, you know, I, a trap that I fell into in my career, which is just, you know, the, the. The way that we played when we were at school, if you imagine how girls are taught to behave at school, you know, sit down, be quiet, color in the lines, be a good girl, get good grades. And when you get good grades, you know, you'll be at the top of the class and you'll be noticed. And what tends to happen is that we continue to play those rules and play that game when we get to work without realizing that it isn't enough. So invisible work is the work that you do, the value that you add, all the results that you deliver that people don't see. And you know, I think usually it's it's fairly intuitive. When I say that rule Mm -mm. to a room of women, usually there's kind of a collective sigh, (laughs) and they say, "Oh, they have Mm -hmm. no idea what I do." Right? If I left, they'd had to replace me with two people. And I say that's not okay because if you're not getting credit for your work, then either no one is, or someone else is. So. It now becomes your job, right? Literally, it's part of your job now to make that invisible work visible. So I say to them, sit down and write out what is it that you do that is invisible. Make that list and then make a list of the people that will be in the room or consulted.
1: Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review oh don't forget to share with a friend or a colleague all right back to the show
0: so those are the people that need to know about your invisible work and what happens then sometimes with women is they say oh now i have to self promote and you know this is a tricky one and it stopped me really for many years making my work visible and for me the 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 change the shift came When I reframed that thought of, oh, I have to self-promote and I changed it to, I want to educate them. So what I say to people is, what I say to women is, to make your invisible work visible, you have to educate, take that list of stakeholders and educate them about the work that you're doing. So that might be through written updates. It might be through emails. It might be through a dashboard. It might be through you know, a newsletter, it might be through booking a meeting with them, and giving them an update and asking them for advice. All of those ways are ways of educating people on the work that you do. And then, you know, sometimes, well, sometimes there are really small ways of doing it. You know, I call these micro encounters. There are those moments when, you know, maybe we're both on the zoom call early, you and I arrive on the zoom call early. And there's no one else on. Or you know, maybe we're waiting for an Uber together on the way to a meeting. Or we're in the elevator together. And if you're a senior leader in my organization and you say, Hey, how are you, Helen?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. What women will often do is they'll say, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? You know, gosh, it's cold, isn't it? Right? I mean, I'm a Brit, so we always talk about the weather. (laughs) But what I say to women is, you're no longer allowed to say, I'm fine, thanks. Use that micro encounter, use that small moment. Mm-hmm. I can use that small moment between myself and Fella. And instead of saying, I'm fine, thanks, I say, Great. You know, the project that I've been working on, we've just had some really interesting interim results, and uh, we're going to be coming to see you soon. And asking for some money or you know asking for permission to go to the next stage or you know giving you an update and telling you how it's going to work in your part of the organization and then I might also say you know and so and so in your team who's been on the team has been super helpful to really really been able to represent your team and uh, and really participated thank you so much and you see what a different impression at that point fella the senior manager mm-hmm. in my organization is left with of Helen, instead of just, oh, Helen's nice and a Brit and talks about the weather. I feel like Helen's working on this project. She's making progress. She's coming to see me soon. And that person from my team is, you know, she's sharing the credit and that person from my team is helping too. Maybe I can ask that person on my team about the project and learn more, but you know, I know that Helen's leading it. So very different. I'm starting Mm -hmm. to relationship build with you. You're starting to know about me. I'm building my brand. And I'm making my work visible. Do you see the distinction? That's so different, isn't oh, yeah. it, from just, if I do good work, it'll be noticed.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, those are excellent, excellent examples. I think those are real examples that people can understand and relate to, right? I mean, how so many times do folks just say, oh, how's it going? And no, oh, yeah. it's fine. You know, just busy, yeah. right? It's very yeah. common. Or busy, yeah yeah right well of course we're yeah. always busy right but taking the time yes. to educate taking the time yeah. to share and,
0: and, mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of preparation honestly it's a muscle that you build so almost it's like you can you can help yourself by having you know a little bit of thought around you know if i see so and so what would i say or if i see you walking down the corridor if i see a senior leader walking down the corridor Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and oh look, we must still be get both be going to that meeting and we're early, thinking through what am I gonna say? You know, what's the thing that I want to share that is intentional and um and makes my work visible so that I don't miss this opportunity.
1: Oh, that's 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 awesome, i man. A, a key a few key words just come to mind just as you explain all that. I think just being intentional, right? Intentionality is a big factor. You know, educating being strategic, right? Thinking about your response and preparing a little bit beforehand. especially, we know there'll be opportunities when we have maybe senior leaders visiting, right? Your office or you have a one-on-one meeting set up or um, even again, just in passing, right? You know, you're going to lunch and it's not even just with maybe senior leaders, but just with your own direct manager. How do you weave that into the ongoing conversations that, you know, you would think that, okay, well, my manager should know it. What I'm doing day in day out, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily, right? (laughs) Do they?
0: Yeah,
1: and like, why
0: not set them Mm -hmm. up for success? Mm -hmm. And remember, it's not just senior leaders; like, it really depends Mm -hmm. where in the organisation you are. That's why I'm so intentional about this thing about who will be in the room or consulted when your next role is discussed. You don't have to be doing this to everyone but it's really who's important for the next step your next move yep. or your next promotion that's your key stakeholders those are your strategic stakeholders
1: mm-hmm. yeah bu- building sponsors yeah building sponsors so and that's that's what starts right there or when your name is brought up in those rooms when you're not there but it's almost like you are because you filled the room with your presence people can speak to the good work that you do the value that you bring to the organization because they've heard it either directly from you or they've heard it through other folks as well and and it's it's a no-brainer when those opportunities come up to say that you know what helen does a really great job she's an awesome leader within the organization she brings all this value and it just all rattles off the tongue so but that's yeah that's,
0: sponsorship is a big one honestly fella mm-hmm. and again you know for women and often for people of color finding mentors and sponsors is more difficult If you look up in the organization and people don't look like you, then often, and it's natural, people support people that remind them of themselves when they were younger. So if, if we don't look like people above us when they were younger, then we have to ask. We have to ask for mentorship. We have to ask for advice and build relationships really thoughtfully. And mentors are people who share their journey with you. And they are career accelerators. There is like finding someone who's done it before and having them say to you, don't do this, do this. You Mm -hmm. want to make sure you do this. And this is the pitfall Mm -hmm. can really help. What should I do in my career next? How should I handle this? How should I build this skill? They can really help. But sponsors, exactly as you said, sponsors are different from mentors. Sponsors are people that don't talk to you about their journey. They talk about you when you're not in the room. And exactly so they can get you into, they can speak you into rooms that you can't get into. But in order to do that, they're risking their own political capital. By saying, you know, Helen would be amazing in that role, or I think we should consider Fella for that role, they're risking their own reputation. And that's why it's difficult to really ask for sponsorship. You know, you don't know me, will you advocate for me when I'm not in the room? no not really because i don't know yeah. you <laughs> yeah. so, which is why the whole building relationships, relationships. and yeah. having them know about you and understand your work and understand the journey that you've been on and the results you deliver the value that you add and the work that you do help so much with getting people to talk about you when
1: you're not there you know one of the questions i had here is about branding right and mm-hmm. how does one Maybe think about, or how does branding play a factor when he, when you think about showcasing your work, whether it be internally or externally, and and maybe branding and and relationship building go you know hand in hand. But I'm interested in your perspective of how that comes into the play.
0: So you have a brand, okay? Unless you're very junior in the organization, you have a brand in the organization. So, you know, the way I teach this on the course is. You know, why not manage that brand? Why not know what it is? Why not ask people what your brand currently is? You know, what are three adjectives that would describe my brand? And then think about what do you want it to be? You know, do you want to be known for developing talent or, or for turning around businesses or for your attention to detail or for your ability to network? And once you've decided what you want your brand to be, how can you live it, be it, earn it? And speak about it. And so when you're giving, you know, updates to senior leaders or speaking about the work that you're doing, if for instance, so one of my one of the things that was really important to me as a leader in business was my ability to grow talent. And so you know, when I talked about the work that I was doing, or when I was in conversations with senior leaders, it would often be around, you know, this is this this is how we've put the project team together and this is how you know we're growing and developing them and you know this is what i'm seeing with the, from your folks that are on the team and how they're growing and developing i talked about talent development a lot and that's because it was very intentional around that was how i wanted my brand you know that was the impact i wanted to make i mean it was genuine it wasn't just i want to pretend this it was genuinely important to me so sure. I think knowing what your current brand is, deciding what you want your brand to be, being it and speaking it as part of this, you know, making your work visible is is super important and is a real opportunity. Because like I said, if you don't manage your brand, someone else is managing it and you're leaving it to chance what they say about you when you're not in the room.
1: Very well said. Very well said. uh... Uh, a common saying that was shared with me once, and, and I repeat very often, is no one should be able to tell your story better than you do. And to me, that's what branding is all about, telling your story. Yeah, yeah
0: so, absolutely. Right? Yep. yep, yep, yep. And also, I think, you know, when it comes to mentors and sponsors and your stakeholders, is where are you up to now and where do you want to be? What do you want to do next? What are the opportunities that you're interested in in future? So it's it's kind of your story. I completely agree. Fella. It's your it's your story today, and how you want to continue to write your story in the future. I would be really interested in this kind of opportunity. Would you yep. keep me on your radar? And if you hear about something like that, could you let them know that I'd be interested, or let me know, and you know, I'll go and talk to them. I would really appreciate that. That kind of conversation is really yeah, important.
1: Hey, if you're enjoying what you're hearing and learning something new, take a second to rate this episode and write a review. Oh, don't forget to share with a friend or colleague. All right, back to the show. My next question here is, should people focus mainly on projects or initiatives that can generate quantitative results versus qualitative, right? So we we think about the visible versus invisible work. And is it all about the numbers? Is it all about the data? What people can measure? Right? Should people just focus on that? Because I mean, there's a lot of work that we do that's more qualitative that is hard to measure, but mm-hmm. s- seems like it's important. What's your What's your take on that? I think it's often, if you sit and give it some thought, it's often more
0: possible to add quantitative measures to qualitative tasks. So you know. I organized a successful function. I organized a successful function for 300 people with you know 90 percent of folks who turned up um, and four speakers and it was under budget that, that kind of stuff. you know you, often you can quantify to your point about is it quantifiable? And to be honest fella, I would say, focus on what you're measured on. right, what gets measured gets done. (laughs) Getting some clarity on how it is you'll be judged and what your objectives are for the year and focusing on them and then not only delivering them but over-delivering them, looking for opportunities to exceed expectations. I mean, if we just do what's in our um, objectives for the year, then we will meet expectations. So what are the opportunities to exceed them? Um, And are they valuable? And, you know, if you're doing other kind of community work or work that's outside your job, can you get that added into your um, job objectives? Is that valued by your boss? And can it be counted at the end of the year towards your uh, performance? So I think it's a great discussion to have with the boss, but ultimately you want to be really clear what, how will your success be judged and do that or renegotiate that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's really really well said. And it, it, what gets measured gets done, right? A very common saying, and it, it, it is very factual <laughs> as well. And, and, and a really key takeaway, you know, that you shared here, I think, is being able to define success. You know, when you read a job description, it's just not what's in the description. Being have a, a strong understanding of what success looks like in your role. And maybe even measuring yourself against other people in the past who are considered successful, and what they do, and what are they doing that's not written down in that quote unquote job description? What qualities are they bringing to the table? I think that's why Mm -hmm.
0: that's why job objectives are really important, right? Your specific Mm -hmm. objectives for the year are different from your job description, and that's where I think the focus is. Like a job description is important, but. What you'll get measured on is not really your job description. It'll be on your objectives. So, the what you do and the how you do it. And they, those two pieces of thinking should be captured in your objectives and in your development plan. Yep. Um, so, focusing there will make mm-hmm. it a really powerful conversation with your line manager.
1: Yep. 100%. So, you know, you, you have a whole book, right? The unwritten rules of. Uh, women's leadership like what inspired you to write this book I mean I think you know this conversation I can tell you definitely have a lot of inspiration around the <laughs> subject but uh, I'm curious just what what inspired you to write this
0: yeah it's a book and it's a course and it's a podcast too it is a it's a real passion yeah. and what inspired me Phila, is is um, a little bit of what I talked about at the beginning really that sense of being in corporate life and struggling like mm-hmm it was hard my dad told me that girls can do anything that boys can do and i believed him and i did <laughs> but you know i i just felt that there were moments when you know i took conflict too personally and i was you know in the bathroom trying to cry silently And, you know, I struggled to get the mentors and sponsors because I didn't know how to ask and I wasn't asked. And then once I had kids, you know, I often felt like I left work too early and got home too late and I only lived 10 minutes from work. Mm -hmm. So it was really that sense that it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And all the courses that I went on didn't teach me what I really needed to know. And so over the years, I figured it out. You know, I figured it out by reading, by learning from the women that had come ahead of me, come ahead of me um, and just through my own experience. But I thought, wow, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that I wish I'd known earlier. So I wrote it down. Right? They were unwritten. So I wrote them down. So they are <laughs> the written rules now. <laughs> They're my rules anyway. Yeah. And, you know, what? Mm-hmm. I guess my invitation to women is, you know, read it, step into your power, write your own rules. And succeed and then also help. Look behind you, lift as you rise. Sisterhood is really important to me. You know, how can you help other women? How can you help women of color? How can you help people that don't look like you? How can you lift as you rise? And what does that look like? Who do you mentor? Who do you sponsor? Because, you know, mentors only have to be two steps ahead of us in our journey. It's not like you can only mentor when you're the CEO. We are all leaders. We're all two steps ahead of someone. So is there, you know, even if you're junior, is there a niece or a nephew? Is there an intern? And then as you get more more senior, you know, is there someone that's starting out? Who are you helping? Whose career are you taking an interest in? Who are you having coffee with? Who are you talking about when they're not in the room? And how can we do this together?
1: Oh, that's a very powerful message. Very well said. And- I think you laid it out very excellently. Um, you know, like I said, mentorship can start right in front of you and you don't have to be a senior leader or a manager or a leader of people, right. To be able to offer advice and, and help the person next to you, to your left, to your right, you know, forward, backward, et cetera. So, um, that's what starts. And that's, that was the inspiration for me, honestly, with this podcast and clearly you had the, similar inspiration with with your book and your courses and all the things that you do and you know this conversation right here is exactly what this is, it's, it's giving back it's it's offering a sense of mentorship for our listeners and um, so no I, I completely agree with you, oh, awesome
0: Fabulous, thank you
1: Thank you so much, this, this has been awesome, uh, really really fantastic enjoyed this conversation um, you know I, I did want to definitely give you the opportunity to share more about is how both can reach you whether it be on LinkedIn or your, your website or anybody who wants to reach out
0: yeah sure absolutely fella um, gosh I'm Helen Appleby on LinkedIn um, and you'll see it's you know, you'll see the unwritten rules stuff there and then um, Helen Appleby coaching on um, Instagram and um, and uh, Helen Appleby Coaching.com is the details of the course, and the book is available on Amazon and podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah,
1: for sure. I definitely share that in the show notes uh, for everybody listening today. So, guys, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, peace.
0: Thanks, Helen.
1: Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more content, click the link in my bio to follow How to Corporate on all social media platforms. Until next time, keep building.